I sort of let go of this fear and just allowed the art to come out and I created the content around it to fit the voice of what's going on in the world right now because we need more things unifying us than separating us so I think music will never be something that tears us away but we're going to get knocked down a lot of times but it's how we rise in that shows our strength. What's up everyone? Welcome back to the Vision Quest Sound Podcast. I'm your host Philip. On this show we love to talk about music and culture with artists and creators who are making positive waves in our community. In this episode, we've got two fabulous guests. First off, he's a number one Billboard charting producer and soundtrack composer, Tim Janssens. And our featured artist, originally from New York, but now an LA-based singer, songwriter, and entertainer who's been named one of the top live acts here in Los Angeles. She's headlined at the 2020 NAMM show this year, and she's an official artist for the pro audio company Warm Audio. She's also a featured creator here at Vision Quest Sound. She's released two pop albums and various singles with her partner, Tim Janssens, including her new album, Apogee, which we're going to be talking about in this episode. Please welcome Whitney Tai. Tim, Whitney, thank you so much for taking the time today and joining us on our podcast. Thank you so much for having us. We have Lee Lontok, our reviewer, our artist development vocal coach, and more than that, he's on our Vision Quest Sound team. Lee, welcome to the show as well. Good morning, everyone. Hi. Hi. Congratulations on your epic new album, Apogee, Whitney, Tim. This is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we're very excited about it. We've been working on this album for a pretty long time, so it's it's kind of cathartic that we've you know let it out into the world and at, at, at a time when things are so difficult. So it was kind of fri- a frightening experience, too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Despite the fact, you know, with this world pandemic, I know that it brings a ton of challenges and it's crazy to release music, but I like to spin that question around. What opportunities did it present to you in, say, releasing this album during this time? For me as a producer, there's totally no difference because I spend my time in the studio every day. So if there's if the world's falling apart or not, it's the same thing for me. <laughs> and Whitney? Well, you know, as the artist, because Tim's kind of behind the scenes doing all the doing all the the composer producer stuff so it's he's kind of like in his dungeon but I'm on the outside kind of also being the the face person I would say that right now that people need something that's healing and I think I had to get past this feeling of guilt and shame of having created something that was so I guess blissful for me because it was the album is a sign of healing and and growth and it was where I had arrived at after uh, getting through a lot of things emotionally so I felt it was my duty to like allow people to have something that is, you know, soothing at a time when everything is so like, you know, dark and trivial. Wow. Powerful. I felt that too. And your, your common theme of healing and pain and empowerment, it kind of all came together at a, in a relevant time. 
Lee, what were your top three favorite tracks? Yeah, well, for sure, Righteous is my number one, hands down. Then I probably would go with Surrender and Electrified. Nice. Oh, we're definitely a fan of you, Whitney. You mentioned Righteous. You did a review on that. You did a review on Whitney's album. What gravitated you towards Righteous that you just were going bananas about? I really couldn't describe what I was feeling when I was hearing the song because it was uh, truly unique. I, you know, every time I listened to this song, it reminded me of um, whenever when I used to hang out at this bar over there in West LA or on the borderline of Beverly Hills called, I think it was called A Vampire. And for some reason, this song just was dark, but beautiful. And I just totally loved it. I thought the production on it was was stellar. The vocals on it were amazing. And you really brought your A-game, you know, your vision of that song and how it was supposed to be told. So I found this song, compared to the rest of your songs, you know, as the standout, because it's slightly different than all the other songs, you know, where all the other songs were a little bit more synth-based, maybe more piano. Cats off, I loved it. Thank you so much, Lee. And we loved your review. We were very humbled by the words that you lent to us. We were excited that you got to work with you. (laughs) You should be very proud of of this body of work because, you know, I get a lot of CDs from a lot of students. And, you know, most of the time what I'm hearing, the capabilities of their voice outweighs the capabilities of their songwriting and production. Our influences also have a lot to do with the type of songwriting we do because Tim, you know, Tim and I grew up inspired by soundtrack music and film music and I'm very influenced by, you know, the music of the 60s and the 70s. So I think if I think back to that time period, the the songwriting was impeccable, like, you know, the the hooks, the the melody lines and and the way that one would highlight the other and I just felt like compositionally music is that's where, for me, that's where I find, like, these nuggets of beauty where I'm like, wow, like, you know, not only did this band or artist create one song that was epic, but they have a whole discography. Like, the Beatles is a perfect example of how many hits have they unleashed, and I grew up on the Beatles, and I'm, I love catchy hooks and catchy melodies, so I'm always, my brain is always just searching for those whenever I'm writing something or whenever Tim's writing. So I think that's just in our genes to kind of, not mimic, but, you know, take inspiration from you know greatest songwriters that there ever were we're trying to do some justice <laughs> i completely agree that's why i referred track eight to having such strong melodies and it reminded me of the 70s like boston and um, electric light orchestra uh-huh. were yeah very opera pop you know it was just a different time because since we're relatively new they weren't around they were probably around um, in the 70s for less than two decades and they really had to try to figure it out and these guys figured it out and i think you're right in that vein which is awesome wow thank you quick question for tim since we're talking about righteous talk to us a little bit about your approach to that what made it unique it, it was kind of different there were some guitars it was more rock based i just started with that drum thing like to give it the rhythm that it needed and then we slowly started uh, building on that so it's just basically a drum track that was glorified that's all, <laughs> <laughs> that's all i can say like the, the yeah this, we just built it around the drum track that's it easy 
<laughs> I love how you put that. You make things just seem so simple. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of soundtracks and of the music beds that you create. Epic, stunning, lush, everything that you've been doing with Whitney. I love your partnership and you know the relationship, the love and pain <laughs> yes. that you have there. Whitney, tell us a little bit about Starfish. How did you put that track together with Tim? Tim came to me with this really interesting, again, like this kind of percussive drum beat. Like at the time that I first heard it, it was like kind of some basic chords and... Um, let me let me give you a little secret here. At first, when she heard the melody I played on it, she wasn't convinced until she started singing it herself. <laughs> so she had to start singing it before she felt it. Okay, so that's the secret. I guess I like the twisted plot we've created. That's kind of how I usually move through music is like I have to my brain has to just find that kind of carved out place or the place where I can insert my melody or idea so but Tim is like a really big driving force on this track just kind of pushing me to this direction of uh, just like a very soft and dreamy and suspended sort of vocal which kind of just floats on top of the bed which I think is really what makes the song kind of extra special gosh I love how you put that exactly so I wrote the script so that we both could We have just released a lyric, an official lyric video late last night. I literally, I'm probably only on like three hours of sleep right now. Uh, just because I was, I was up making this for like seven hours yesterday. There's also, a, <laughs> there's also a promotional video for Arturia. That's a software company. And we did a video for that also, which is like a slightly shorter version of the song. It's like two minutes and something. Yeah, but we've incorporated some of that um, pr promotional video into our lyric video. Uh, just because we can't really get out and film <laughs> the way we want to with all the restrictions. Like, um, it's just, it's good because it forces me to be creative and I love to do video editing. So, like, we both do. We do it a lot, all the time. So, it was fun putting that together. I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, so that's another blessing that I guess the quarantine brought to us, you know, gave us more time to develop new skills. Okay, so I'm looking forward to that. And I was going to ask, it sounds like you're doing all the video work yourselves. <laughs> yeah, He's film he films, I, but I, we both edit. I come from back in the record days in the industry. Uh, music videos used to cost like the cheapest ones were like $20,000, $30,000. And as an artist, you usually had to pay like 50% of that. So I started thinking, why don't I get a really nice camera and start filming everything myself? And that saved me a lot of money. And since then, I've been doing my own music videos. Love it, man. Tim is very humble, but uh, he won the GoPro Nature Award a few years ago. It was 2014, I think. He filmed and scored like an entire piece and out of like over 150 apps. Applicants, I think he got number one. So that was that was a really exciting. That's awesome. That's when I first realized that Tim was so great at filming because I had not seen any of his work prior to that. So. Not without love. I, I feel some kind of personal connection to this song. I mean, they're all, I feel connected to all of them, but there's something about the time when we were making this one. Um, this, this song was like kind of that little bug that just kept, you know, crawling up 
the side and like annoying you because we had a originally we had like this other chorus and it it, I, it just it wasn't giving the lift that it needed and we finally had this like aha moment because we performed that song live so many times and I was like you know what I'd love to incorporate some of the things that I'm doing live in the recording because it gave us a chance to put the pants on and like wear them for a little while and see how the song feels on stage and I started doing some different things and experimenting with the song and then it kind of led to this grandiose chorus of lots of layers and, and high notes and I think for me it just felt like a release like that song was like part of the apogee you know meaning of the album it was getting closer to this place of freedom and and just letting go so i think that's why it means a lot to me This song is really expressive, really powerful. Lee, not without love. It kind of reminded you of The Cure, Surrender, Scolded, Boston, ELL, or Gaga. Strong vocals, strong melodies. The old rock opera feel. Yeah, The Cure, when you get like The Cure, Surrender, or Scolded, you're coming in like with a pulsating beat, which is uh, very similar to, you know, many of the tracks on this collection, but as every song should, but they usually don't, this song does layer exactly how it needs to be layered. That energy of this song is moving forward and going deeper into the song. Another layer is added, whether it's another synth, whether it's a background vocal, whether it's a guitar, you know, whether it's a riff, whatever. It's a, a hook that draws you deeper and deeper and deeper into the song. And uh, the whole rock chorus of the Boston and ELO or Gaga, it was just the best. Best I've heard from somebody that's not out on on the Billboard 100 right now. Give me your innocence Before the hate controls your I think this year was a huge year for you. You were at NAM. you did this. Yes, we headlined uh, at NAM on the Marriott Yamaha stage, which was really exciting. Um, it was it was just it was my first time at NAM. It was all of our first time at NAM. So it was like the overwhelmingness of just being at a, you know, the world's largest music convention and just having the, the pressure of doing our first really large performance. Um, and it was cool because our sponsor, Warm Audio, was there. So we got to meet the people behind the scenes. It's a good bonding time for just the band and being able to hear ourselves in the landscape of a, a very different type of performance. Um, so it was it was a lot of fun. More important than our concert uh, is the fact that we met producer Alan Parsons. Yes! <laughs> Ooh. That was really cool. The master himself. Yes. <laughs> uh, definitely one of Tim's big inspirations. So. Yeah. I think he spoke two words to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's huge. Congratulations on that. NAM is like world history every year that it happens. Like so many amazing relationships, great awards. We meet a lot of people. We can't wait for the next one. Congratulations on the features that you've been getting just throughout the whole year. Tell us how you promote your music. What's your process? What's your strategy? And how do you meet all these people? The strategy is called being a starving artist and having to figure things out on your own. <laughs> I've spent many years kind of learning and getting mentorship from varying people in the industry. Um, and I learned kind of just as every other artist learns that unless you're a major label artist, you should not be paying for PR because most artists are putting so much 
money into their records uh, and to just, you know, being able to survive that if you hire a PR company, a lot of the times they may get you a few features and then it goes into the archives and then you're never heard from again. But it's like, I'd rather put the money into my art and put the time and the, and the understanding and the knowledge into figuring out how to do my own PR and figuring out how to reach out to the types of people that I know want to hear my music because, you know, there's everybody gets kind of like tunneled into like, oh, I have to I have to get written up by, uh, you know, pitchfork you know and it's like and that's great um but pitchfork is most likely going to write about you know a-list artists and it doesn't mean that a review from a another obscure blog or a reviewer is not going to be just as valuable to you so if you do the work and the homework to just reach out and find out who listens to your genre who cares about your vision and has the same things in their history of influence as you then oftentimes not you'll you know if you're polite and, and you're just brief and you reach out and you just do your homework you're more than likely to get a response from somebody who feels like you know that you're not just another copy paste email so i've sent a lot of emails done a lot of my own pr i do i do pr for some of my artist friends as well so it's learning how to get out of my writing recording mode and remember to be like not this little like studio gnome <laughs> who doesn't who forgets how to like communicate with the public so it, it's actually really good exercise for me to come out of my shell of writing and being an artist and remembering that this all this this whole thing is about human connection and sharing our ideas and thoughts with those who need it and I would be doing a disservice to Tim and myself by not getting out there and getting my feet dirty and trying to figure out how to get people closer to my art that's kind of my process yeah Wow. And you're doing a wonderful <laughs> job at this because when we type in Whitney Ty into Google, it becomes a party. <laughs> the reviews and the videos, nice. the content creation, and then we checked out, um, what was it? It was Pat Benatar's... Oh, uh, the Love is a Battlefield cover. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Tim, you set the stage on that one. It felt like I was just in the Millennium Falcon. And we were just... <laughs> he, I think he was in the Millennium Falcon when he yeah, wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> I also do uh, I also do film scores and I just wanted to incorporate Wits voice into one of those uh, soundscapes and see how it sounded and it sounded amazing. We're looking forward to that one. Lee and I are big fans of the 80s too. I was wondering outside of these reviews that you're getting and reaching out to some of these magazines for ideas. What are you doing for promoting your music within the film and TV industry or approaching publishers that can take your song because they have the connections to place your song? We were working with BMG for a little while um, and doing some covers with them and we've gotten a lot of great feedback on the album from a couple of licensing and publishing people. So right now we're just kind of in talks with a few different companies to see who's going to be the best fit for or a good home for shopping our work because there's so much there's so many companies out there and all, all, all of them have varying terms and interesting fine print so and we also did uh, two dutch movies yes. a while back and they used two of our songs also in the movie which was pretty cool. Oh, that's really cool. Wait until you get those C-Sec, BMI, or ASCAP checks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are nice. <laughs> yeah, those are very welcome. Are you guys going to be performing um, anywhere out of state since you can't perform here in Los Angeles at the moment? I've been waiting a little bit to see what's going to come out of this because I'm still kind of concerned about the health and well-being of my band. I don't want to put them in a position where they're, you know, in in some sort of 
compromise. And I have a few members of my band who have compromised health issues, so I have to be pretty careful not exposing them in a way that's just detrimental to their health. So right now we're just kind of laying a little bit low. I'm kind of sad because we were supposed to have an album release party right before the pandemic hit, but obviously that's something that we're going to schedule soon. I'm hoping for August we have this show we're supposed to be putting on in Malibu. Uh, So if that ends up working out, post-pandemic, then I might just shift that to be our, maybe our album release party or something, but I'm not sure. I'm not going to put that in stone yet. (laughs) I like that word, (laughs) (laughs) post-pandemic. Please come soon, before Christmas. Yes, please. (laughs) Can you give some shout-outs to the musicians on your team? Yeah, so Andrew Kingsley, shout-out. That's our lead guitar player. Matt Paris is our drummer. Tim Janssen's on keys. We've got Megan Rask on bass and some girl named Whitney Ty on, on vo- lead vocals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, th- and, I think we have to replace her. I didn't yeah, so I think so. I don't so think good. she's yeah, that good. Sure, no, <laughs> Uh, sometimes we have some step-ins. I have a friend, Tim Aslin. I'll shout him out, too. He does backup vocals with me sometimes. He's awesome. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. You know, what I wanted to do, since we started this podcast in March, this was kind of out of the pandemic, too, because we are a media production company. You know, articles, blogs, and video. Then the podcast came. So it's kind of like an extension of our blog where we help creators share their art and stories to the world. Mm. Yeah, we just can't wait to get back into the video world, too, after this pandemic. But we love to do interviews more than podcasts because it's just, you know, that energy of having people in the same space together. We would love to feature you on our channel with Andrew and the whole team, you know, after a live performance or something like that. That would be cool. That would be awesome. We really would look forward to that. How did you meet Andrew, by the way? Because he seems like to be a, a really dope, killer guitar player. I mean, he has long hair and he has a flying V and that kind of like sticks out between, you know, when I see you and your music. How did you meet him? When I left New York and I needed to get out of there, I was like, I need to just pick a place on the map and just go live somewhere different for a while in a new city with just a completely different landscape. So I ended up landing in Portland, Oregon. And I was living in this cute little apartment uh, in northwest Portland for about half a year, like close to a year. When I was out there, there was jazz is really big in Portland. So I ended up meeting my neighbor's parents who are jazz musicians. And I used to go to this club on the southwest side. I'm sorry, southeast side. It's called the 1905. That's where I was sitting there and I saw this this amazing small little human, just his hair covering himself like really long. And he was playing these jazz licks. And I was like, who is this person? He doesn't fit into this scene at all. Like he looks like a rock star. And I, I at that time I was playing a show at the Roseland um, in Portland and I needed a band and my friend actually put me in touch with Andrew and Andrew put a band together for me uh, at the at the Roseland and then from there at that time a few months after we started talking to Andrew and telling him that we were moving to LA and within no time Andrew packed his bags and moved to LA too so we all just ended up continuing to work together and then Andrew and I you know started our own band on the side too we have like a a progressive rock band that we also have Uh, it's kind of new it started last year and we've been doing shows under that alias as well so it's been uh, it's been a really interesting ride he's a big part of the sound of this album his guitar sound Uh, we played live with him so many shows that uh, he kind of brought something new and cool and different to our recording process 
us. We've written almost like a 10-track album already, and um, we've, we're going to probably record an EP uh, once everybody can get back in the studio together again and um, you know test out some new songs because we have an acoustic version of one of my 1905 songs on Bandcamp. I can send you a link to that so you can hear like the sound. I would say like if Chris Cornell, Alice in Chains and STP had a baby like this would be the baby. Can we use that quote? <laughs> <laughs> Congrats on your team, on putting together your team, because I know being a band leader or just a leader in general, you know, managing and putting everything together, doing all the content yourself in a pandemic, that's a challenge. I think leading people is something I'm just used to. I've I've worked as a project manager in my previous job for a really long time. So like I know it's about respect. It's about communication. It's about making sure people are there because they want to be there and not because they feel forced to be there. So and the main thing is to feed them properly. Give them burgers once in a while. So they stay happy. <laughs> feed the musicians. Yes. <laughs> Keep them happy so they don't get, you know, aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. What keeps you going? Are you like, are you a coffee person, tea? Oh, God, I am such a coffee person. But I don't know if I'm, like, addicted to coffee more than I just, like, love coffee. No, like, you're addicted to <laughs> Maybe that's the sign of addiction when you really love it. How about Tim? What keeps you going? Red Bull, water, snacks? Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> keeps me awake. How long have you been working together? Five, six years now. Yeah. Yeah, like five, five or six, six years. Now. Five and a half years. Great partnership. It shows. I mean, it seems like you've been together for 10 years with the music that you're making. Well, as a, as a producer, she, she has to listen to me. That's a fact of life. The singer <laughs> has to listen to a producer and then everything will be fine. Yeah. We keep the harmonious as long as I listen. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it seems like you have this brother-sister kind of relationship. Forgive me if that's not if that's not the correct term, but <laughs> I think I uh, definitely family. <laughs> I think we're just really because we started out as really really good friends. Yeah, we we're just really great friends, and we just have immense respect for one another. And uh, I have I've admired Tim for a long time. I know this is going to sound crazy, but when I was in high school, I used to hear Tim's songs on the radio, and I didn't know who he was at that time. But I always used to ask my friend in the car, like, "Turn this up, turn this song up." And I was like, "Who is this?" And she's like, "It's Sun Freaks." And I was like, "Okay." And then like I would go home and download his songs, and then lo and behold, like a few years later, one of my songs was submitted on a website, like a competition to to be produced, and Tim won the competition. And at that time, I didn't know who Tim like what his legal name was I just knew him by his dance producer name and I found out it was the same person that I had loved listening to in the dance world Tim was the one of the first dance producers to um to bring electric guitars into his sound so um he was copied by Axwell and all those other big guys it was just cool it was like surreal to like be working with somebody who I'd admired and thought was like different than all the other dance producers of the time he sounded like his he was rooted more in like that Giorgio Moroder like kind of like classic 70s background and I was like this is super cool and catchy and it feels warm and 
Like most of the EDM that I hear today is like kind of cold and sterile, but his his music had a warmth that I really loved. I can see that. More so, I can feel it. Dynamite. The workflow between you. Whitney, do you find yourself sending him rough tracks or is he more sending you skeleton tracks? Uh, sometimes I'll send him recordings uh, with me and a guitar or just me and a vocal. Like I write a lot of melodies in my mind, so like I can kind of overlay myself with the melody and create a couple of different scenarios for him to work with and sometimes he'll send me a bass track and I'll and I'll top line over that so it just depends on depends on how it all comes together our approaches to production are different you know I, I produce without technology Tim uses the computer I understand most of what he's doing but I, I just don't have the brain to sit behind the computer and do that my world is like with my guitar and with a piano and just you know writing in the raw sense because that's where I'm most creative but Tim is amazing. He can start out with a drum track and then all of a sudden in like 15 minutes he's got some crazy ass score going and he's it's just like natural for him. When Whitney is working on a song I sometimes don't say anything but sometimes I hear like two notes that she sings and I say yeah those two notes that's the next song and she still doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But after after I show her my intentions, my ideas for the song, she follows me and then she starts writing the lyrics. And that's how we usually start the uh, next song. Being in a pandemic as an artist releasing music, you definitely have a lot of experiences since you've been releasing all year. What advice can you give to artists who are in the same boat, but who are kind of in this struggle with should I release? How should I release? What advice can you give to them? I would say, you know, and this applies to anything in life, you know, any sort of difficult time that people can be going through is that um, music is a source of comfort to many people. And I think if people are afraid or they don't know how to approach it, I would just say to be as authentic as possible. Like, if you want to release music, you know, ask yourself the questions like, does this answer the question of what I need to do for me right now? Is this going to answer the question of what people need right now? And, you know, obviously to be thoughtful to the whole process. And, you know, that was kind of where I reached a crossroads with myself, you know, releasing a 10-track album during a pandemic. I didn't intend it to release at this time, but it was already scheduled for release. So I, the timing of everything for me was more just, you know, strange and eerie. But, and, and as I sort of went along, I, I realized that people were needed something to latch onto. So I sort of let go of this fear and just allowed the art to come out. And I created the content around it to fit the voice of what's going on in the world right now, because we need more We need more things unifying us than separating us. So I think music will never be a, something that tears us away. But I would just say to be authentic and, and just find your voice in the current time of whatever's going on and make sure that your fans, your potential listeners can connect to you and um, don't lose hope. You know, we're going to get knocked down a lot of times, but it's how we rise in that shows, you know, our, our strength. So that would be my advice. <laughs> Wow. Thank you so much for that. Tim, what are your thoughts? Write music and produce music and don't try to be famous. That's what most artists like. That's when they get frustrated. Well, a lot of artists want to be famous and they copy top 40 other artists. And that's no way to do it. Just write whatever's inside of you. Like this whole uh, pandemic stuff will inspire you to write songs and just follow what you feel inside of you and don't try to... Don't try to be famous, just write music and it will happen by itself. 
Whitney, if you have a new listener, a new fan, where would you send them? Is it to your website, Instagram? If they go to my website, they can get linked to every website. So if you go to WhitneyTimeMusic.com, there'll be direct links to all my platforms from there. So you, I guess you could see that as like a satellite location. But yeah, I'm on Instagram at WhitneyTie and Twitter at WhitneyTie. I'm on SoundCloud at Whitney-Tie. So I'm on, I'm on all the platforms. So I think there's no wrong way to approach it. It's, it depends on what you want, whether it's video or audio. Or, but I've noticed everybody likes to stream differently. So my website would probably be the best choice. She's everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> you are everywhere. And on YouTube, too. So I'll put that in the yes. description on this episode so that our listeners can uh, get the visuals, too. Because you've got some stunning visuals, not only from this year, but from the past. You've got some awesome videos. So Thank you so much. I think Tim is on timjansons.com. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I'm, I, I'm not a very uh, internet kind of person. He's, he's more in the studio. He's making music <laughs> all day. So he's rarely uh, online. I try to help him and, you know, get help him get online sometimes. <laughs> so. But the tweets and the Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tim Whitney, for joining us today on the Vision Quest Sound Podcast. Hi, this is Philip from Vision Quest Sound. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our podcast by donating any amount that's in your heart. It will help us sustain future episodes, as well as support the artists and creators that are on this show. I'm Philip from Vision Quest Sound, signing off. Oh, 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 oh,